Welcome to Marvel Vision, a podcast about Marvel, the MCU, and right now the premiere of Loki Season 2. I'm Alex. I'm Justin. I'm Pete. And if you haven't watched the season premiere of Loki on Disney+, Plus, please go do it. We are going to spoil it here. But brief bit of recap about Loki season one, and then uh, I'll give you a brief recap of the first episode here. So Loki, we are following the Loki immediately towards the end of Avengers. This is actually in Avengers Endgame. He was Or the end of season one, Loki. Hold on. That's true. That is true. true. Yes. (laughs) Picks right up. Yeah, absolutely. But before that, this is the Loki who took a portal, used the Tesseract to bamf his way out of the situation at the end of Avengers. He was picked up by the TVA. The Time Variance Authority sucked in there, very quickly realized that they might be one of the most powerful entities, organizations in the entire multiverse. He became aware of the multiverse. He became aware that the Infinity Stones, things that he chased after his entire life, were pretty much unconsequential. He also found out about an attack on the TVA led by, as it turned out, a variant of Loki named Sylvie over the course of the first season of the series. He and Sylvie struck up a flirtation, struck up a sort of love, if you will. And they also struck up an agreement to track down he who remains, the guy who is at the head of the TVA. Turns out he who remains is, we know him now as a variant of Kang, who was keeping everything on the sacred timeline, just one timeline, keeping everything ordered. But Sylvie kicked Loki through a door Killed he who remains, which led to a branching of the timelines, led to a growth the multiverse, which led to everybody's favorite movie, Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. And then after that, Loki got back to the TVA and we were left with a big cliffhanger where it certainly seemed like he was in an alternate timeline where Mobius, his partner, Owen Wilson, didn't know him and Kang had taken over the TVA. We very quickly find out here in this episode that's not what happened at all. Loki has actually become unstuck in time, like Billy Pilgrim himself. Nice, and jumping ref. back and forward. The place that he encountered, uh, Mobius was actually back in time towards the beginning of the TVA. Jumping back and forward, ultimately Mobius and Loki hatch a plan using a new character called Ouroboros, played by Kehu Kwan, who everybody Obi. loves. Obi. Data uh, kills it in this fucking movie. Data, short show. round, whatever you want to call him. Every, I always say Data. Data? Data. Yeah. From Star Trek, right? Same guy. <laughs> yeah, same, same guy. guy. Same guy. Really hatch a nope. plan together to do a thingy and throw a harpoon and get Loki back. And that's kind of where we end up. And then we get a little bit of a stinger that catches us up with Sylvie. But there's a lot of questions, a lot of things that are going down here. Now Pete, I know, is very excited to talk about this episode. So here's what I'm going to say. As usual on this podcast, I'm not going to say anything or offer up any opinions. And we'll just wrap it up here. If you'd like to support the show, patreon.com. You don't wrap up the show just because you don't have opinion. There's other people on the show. Oh. But no, that's how it works. Po- we can wrap it up at any time. Right? That's right. Here's the main thing that I want to talk about, the Marvel flip. The Marvel flip... We didn't. We didn't get too much of it, but it's. What are you talking about? We got a good Marvel flip. It got. What are you talking about? We got a Marvel flip. It was nice. Come on. Hey, I'm not a Marvel flip. We made it for you. I felt like they played a little low key. 
Oh, okay. Wow. Um, real quick, what timeline am I in? Because I don't think this is the <laughs> podcast timeline that I actually signed many, up for. Here, here's what I'd say. I just want to establish some ground rules. This is the first time we're ever doing a podcast. So I want to say, okay, and this great, is the first great. time anybody is ever doing a podcast. On oh. podcasts, people usually fill the time talking about their opinions on things, both nope. criticism mm-hmm. and uh, the things that they liked about something. They, they go love. back and forth and they have Fail a so bit far. of discussion about it. That's what I was thinking. That's my pitch. That's, That's my pitch for a, a podcast. Idea. Oh, it's okay, Pete. Idea. So instead, how about this? Why don't you say a bunch of random things for, I don't know, I want to say two and a half minutes, and then we'll wrap up here. Take it away. <laughs> okay, great. Great. <laughs> great. Yeah, I think that's a good idea. Uh I, I I don't know what you what your beef is or what your problem is with the show. Here's the thing. Here's he the thing. I don't even have yet. beef. I don't even have beef. I just have, he hasn't even said. I haven't even said anything yet. If it's worth it for Obi alone, I mean, he is so precious and so amazing in this episode. I, it, it, he makes it all worth it. it it's a uh, it's well, a fun add to this. Uh, let's get there then. Here, let's start at the beginning though, because I it's the, something we've talked about. Slight meta commentary going into this is like, what's the state of Marvel TV? So it's very exciting to have this show back, which was a uh, I would yeah. say a high watermark in Marvel mm-hmm. television from Agreed. a writing. Uh, performance, acting, production design, all these aspects. And it's really nice to have this show back. It's a well-made show. It continues to be. It picks right up where it, it gets – it stopped last time. Can time. I add something else onto yes. that? It is nice – this is even a broader view here. It is nice to have a show back. Like something yeah. that we've talked a lot about here on this podcast is – you know, very purposefully show Marvel has treated these shows as six part mini movies or however many episodes that they have. And we get to the end of it and we're like, will we ever see this show again? I don't know. I'm not sure. But here there's a certain comfort and it sounds ridiculous to say because we know how TV shows work. But that was the big thing that I felt coming into this episode which was like. I like the setting and I like these characters and it's nice to come back to them and it's nice to have a second season of something. So I was very pleased about that. I hope that's one of the big lessons Marvel takes here is, hey, we can make TV shows for TV is the thing that we're doing. That would be great. Well, and especially when it it really is like they and I know there were some changes in who's making this the second season. Big changes. Can we we mention that? There was uh, I'm blanking on the name of the new showrunner, but the first season was showrun by Michael Waldron. Here we're getting a guy who I'm probably assuming too much. Eric. Eric. Yeah. Eric is he's sort of like a right hand for Michael Waldron is the impression that I get. Like he also wrote for him on Heels, which is a show on stars, which is great. That Michael Waldron did. He is taking over showrunning duties and most of the writing duties here. We're also getting two of the directors, a pair of directors, did a couple of episodes on Moon Knight, are taking over on directing all of the episodes here from Kate Heron, who was so phenomenal as director in the yeah. first season of Loki. Uh, one consisted that we're getting, my God, I really should have written down these names, but uh, the composer who did the score, she is consistent. Mm. I was a little worried he, she was going to go away, but she's back and her music absolutely kills it again in the second season. So a lot of changes behind the scenes, uh, in front of the scenes, we are getting the same cast back. So well, that's, uh, that's, that's, that's uh, composer that's, on Loki, Natalie Ann Holt. Natalie Ann. Yes. Uh, Natalie Natalie Holt. Nice. Uh, yeah, it sucks because you would think, Natalie uh, Holt. 
the uh, first season did so well that they would try to keep that team moving forward. So I'm sure they tried to do that, but you know, people things changing. There was just the writer strike. Eric Martin is the name of the um, showrunner mm-hmm. for season two. Uh, but uh, what I was trying to say is all that stuff. Great, excited to be back. One thing we talked about a lot was like, oh, all the bad things happening in the real world with Kang, and Kang has been such a presence here. Maybe they'll downplay Kang in Loki season nope. two. Literally, the first shot is <laughs> yeah. his face. Or they're like, going to wow. double down. Yeah, yeah, it was crazy because you you see Kang right away, and I'm like, ooh, uh, is this okay? Uh, if he's going to be a big part of this, is this, uh, cause I, I was hoping we would kind of, I don't know, but I was like, oh, wow, we're starting right here. I don't know how to feel. I don't know what's, uh, been decided or what happened. So well, the thing is that no, nothing's been decided. Marvel still has made yeah. no statement about Jonathan Majors. They haven't said anything. They haven't cut him out of the Marvel universe or anything like that. Reportedly, they haven't changed anything in the season. He's still in it the same amount that he was previously. And in terms of the real life stuff of his domestic abuse case, I believe that's the exact charges. He is supposed to have his court date finally sometime this month, which is <laughs> the timing of that. Uh, yikes. Not great. And I, I think what we're getting around here is at least in terms of that. And I'm sure there's people that feel differently because whenever we've talked about this online, there are people that yell at us in the opposite direction. Um, yeah. Go ahead. Yell at us some more. That's fine. Uh, the, it puts a pall over the entire thing for me because, like you're saying, like we get it there, like, what are we doing about Jonathan Majors? And then the entire yeah. thing is like, is he going to show up? Are they going to have more Jonathan Majors? How well, much is and this I think the play answer is yes. Yeah, I think that that Marvel's made it clear that they're not really altering their plans, at least not yet, and then they're just going to see what happens with the larger MCU storyline. But so let's say that that was a surprise, but leave that aside for a second. Just from a pure story point of view, to have Kang be such a presence here, it, it struck me in this to be like, it's crazy for the ambition of an entire run of a show to be exposition, to be mm-hmm. like preamble, like and sort of like really, because it, it, like I, I like this episode, but it was so much like, I hope you watched I hope you remember everything you just watched at the well, end of the last season. they recapped it in the beginning. Oh, really I, I'm not even faulting this. I'm just saying like, it was a perfectly joined up like Lego piece from the last season that raced into plot in this next season to the point where I was like, this was sort of a comedy in the first season. And I just wanted, and there were a couple little bit of jokes here and there. And the, there was, I really loved the scene of the, the two time periods with Obi jumping back oh, and forth. The I thought Obi was thing was great. so, uh, so really funny. fun, really smart, yes, sort of like yes. looper idea, yeah. like great, yeah. great mash Playing, pop culture. Yeah, mashup. exactly. Like, yeah, this is ridiculous, but we're going to kind of lean into it and have some fun. So. But the rest of it was intensity for intensity's sake. And I was like, I and again, like I liked it and it was cool, but I was well, like, "Oh, give me some fun." Where here. they left things, it was intense. So I'm not mad at them for picking that up and running with it. Yeah. Yes, overall, I felt like the first season was kind of laugh and fun and kind of like uh, quirky and weird. But uh, you got to kind of. 
pick up where you left off and kind of at least carry that thread. So I was happy that they did do that. Well, here, let me throw this out there. And I do want to set the ground work as well. Set the ground? No, no, I enjoyed this episode. And even though this was not my favorite episode of the TV show Loki, I still think this is like... I don't know if this is the actual expression, but like heads better than a lot heads of better. heads better, you know? Yeah. Heads better. Heads like better. I, go to, I go into my barbershop and I say, heads better. <laughs> uh, heads better. What? He's like, what? What's wrong with you? Yeah. I'm like, heads I'm having tails. a stroke. It's heads and tails heads better. better than a lot of the other TV shows it's that have come out. It's better than. Yeah. <laughs> yeah you mean butts. It's heads and butts better. It's heads butts, butts better. Yeah, what I'd say about this episode is has butts, and I'll leave it at that. And let's wrap up. <laughs> I, I like, like this. To support us, if stop we, trying if we, to end the show. <laughs> I'm just trying to end it before things go horribly wrong, Pete. I, I like this episode. Think- this is better than most stuff in the MCU that has come out from TV. So I thought that was great. This what? is a very plot-driven episode, and I think weirdly. Yeah. What kind of got lost here in this episode, despite the fact that you're so much a part of it, was the character of Loki and delving delving into his emotions. This to me felt like, this is another thing that I like a lot, but it felt to me a lot like a Star Trek episode where they need to solve some sort of technical problem with some sort of... Don't put a hat on a hat. I'm wearing a hat and I'd be happy to put another hat on He's putting a hat on a show. Yeah, he's putting a hat on the show. You if you want heads above, you gotta get you gotta get it's multiple true. hats better. Heads, hats better. Heads better. Hats. <laughs> heads better with hats. Uh, anyway, my point being that uh, the whole problem of Loki is unstuck on time, and they gotta go to a new area of the TVA and get a doohickey to put in there to shoot out the harpoon, and they got to do all of these things at this precise moment. To me, it felt like a very Star Trek problem with a lot of technical language they're throwing out there that wasn't exactly what they did in the first season. It felt a little more fantasy than Mm. sci-fi, I would say. And... Pete, don't get upset at me for offering up an opinion and, about something. And honestly, like I, I, I agree with you. Like, and I don't think that's a bad. That's also goes to your personal taste of what you think yeah. is which, because those things are basically a, a continuum that ends up being a ironic, a Mobius strip that never ends of like sci-fi to fantasy. And I think what what I like about the design of this show is it sort of occupies both. It has this very specific design aesthetic that contains both sci-fi and fantasy. And I think we do both. Loki's Pete, a don't fantastic react role. to things I'm saying on a podcast where we're talking about our opinions and how it makes us feel. Come on, what are you doing out here? Well, because hey, okay, here's my question: Do you have do you have something to say back to this, or are you just reacting to the fact that I'm saying something about it? No, I just first off, that's weird to say on a podcast where that's the whole fucking point is we're just having discussions and talking about things, so maybe other people can feel and relate to stuff and feel like they're not alone. Right, what do you think Even about I, this take? What do you think about this take that? I felt like this lead a little more into sci-fi than fantasy. What's your opinion on that, Pete? Well, I'd like to say, first off, this whole show is kind of that. It plays with a lot of different things in different ways. It's mainly, hopefully, what we're going to get back to, which is silly and fun and kind of the god of mischief. But I do think it was this kind of like 
very Owen Wilson-centric first episode where it's a little mumbly, it's a little weird, and there's a lot of things that got to happen, but the beats, the punches, that kind of snapback of Loki perfectly saving the kind of moment in time uh, did feel very much like the show and was a great kind of moment of like, oh, thank God, this isn't going to fall off the rails right in the first episode. You can tell Marvel TV's back because we literally are recording an episode where we've taken on the same tone as the episode. Like, well, this is a very intense, plot-driven podcast review mm. we're doing. Um, and like Pete said, we um, just have to hopefully get back to some, forced, some more silly, goofy fun. But right <laughs> now, we're in an intense... Situation yeah. where yeah. someone's lost in time, unstuck in time, and we got to get him back. I'm the Obi here. Mm. Oh, you're Obi? <laughs> I think so. <laughs> All right. Uh, uh, well, been... let me ask you guys another question because this was my other uh, thing that was making me hesitant about loving this episode. Is like I was getting at before, what is this saying about Loki? Because every episode yeah. in the previous season was like, here's an aspect of Loki. We're going to dig into his psychology. We're really going to push. In particular, the first season was about, is he a villain? Is he always forcing himself to lose? Can he get past that? And ultimately, that's the place he reaches at the end of the first season, is he stands up to Sylvia and he's like, we don't have to do this. There's a better way. We don't have to be the villain all the time. I, obviously, I'm paraphrasing here. I realize now we're picking up with a new emotional arc for him, but I, I didn't I didn't have a sense of the emotional arc here, what this says about the Loki we know. I'm curious if you guys got anything there, Pete. Yes, I feel like that's a that's an interesting point, because I feel like his whole thing in the elevator really encompasses everything about Loki, where what he is going through is so disgusting and uh, disturbing and also Mm. on repeat. This guy who overall tries to do good, tries to be a good person, but makes horrible decisions, has had a rough life, is kind of put in a tough situation, and is the god of mischief. So he tries to fight against himself, and in doing so, kind of distorts and ruins himself until he can snap back into something that feels better or feels natural. So I do think there is something to what you're saying, Alex, of this thing of like, is he going to grow out of this? Is he going to get better? Or is he going to kind of continue to be not good and this broken kind of pattern of betrayal, mischief, I, I don't care about people. So um, I do think it's an interesting idea. And the kind of elevator scene of like him being like, does this look okay? Am I doing all right? And him being like, no, it's awful. It's, it seems so painful and horrible. And then they turn, what do you think, to this random person in the elevator who's just horrified about Great what shot. they are witnessing? Yeah, just such a great moment. And yeah, we are kind of stuck pulling for this character to grow and get better. And it kind of goes against everything that he is programmed for. So hopefully that does happen. I see. I think he's sort of in full hero mode. He's trying to solve this. He's on his own. He's suffering for this. He's up against a world that doesn't understand him. He only has one sort of friend who also doesn't isn't fully on board with him. I think it's going to be full hero arc for the run of the series. I Eventually, hope you're right. 
eventually getting to a a mischief, more mischievous Loki at the end, assuming that's setting him up to sort of be that more in the future. Well, you you started to make sense, but then at the end, it kind of went backwards. I feel like when you say more mischievous, you mean in a good way, right? Not a, meaning a, sort of like potentially re- villainous, tricking people out for himself. Because like, like a I lucky just, the leprechaun type thing. Yeah, the leprechaun who um, wants your lucky charms. You're saying, yeah, there it is. Alex, there if it is, I may yeah. point, yeah, to you move the box. It's a big frosted I lucky I put charms. My Loki charms over there. So there you go. Yeah. Okay. Frosted Loki charms. Also wearing the yeah. Simpsons. Uh, the good, the bad, and the Loki hat. I'm very on theme today. Wow, this guy. Well, I guess on this board. is the part of the episode where we're just plugging stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, plug your hat. <laughs> hey, Heads better. Heads yeah, better. Yeah, Loki, Loki, charms. Loki podcast. Sorry about that. Let's see uh, Loki charms more. What? I, I don't know. Can I, can I ask another question? Uh, this is less thematic and more plot wise. Something that I I feel like I missed something that he was saying or something like that. So at the end of the episode when Mobius needs to go outside, shoot the harpoon into the timelines to bring Grab Loki him, back. back. Loki is going to need to prune himself. For some reason, they can't get somebody else there um, to do it. But What other person is there? I don't know. Uh, Obi, for example, could do it, potentially. But he, he needs to stand there and watch the computers and press the button. I get it. But Loki immediately is like, okay, time to leave this room and go somewhere else where is he going and why is he doing that? Like, I know ultimately he sees Sylvie in the elevator and gets pruned, but why does he leave in the first place? Why is he running around the TVA? And why didn't he pick up the phone that was ringing the whole time? And Great question. Great follow-up question. Answer the phone. Why won't you answer the phone? I, I, I don't know the answer to these questions, and that's that's sort of a problem, I think. So much of that that whole run of scenes was about was Mobius's POV who was saying the same things that we're saying now. Like, what? Wait, we have to wait. And Obi was like, well, I don't know. I'm pressing this button. So like <laughs> it, it was sort of a, a, a three part run where the character was making all the decisions. We don't know why or how or he felt a little bit out of our reach, literally and visually in the show. So I, I, I don't understand that either. The, there was I a did, moment. It's uh, it's Hunter B fifteen, right? That's the name of the character. Uh, uh, yes, I think so. Yeah, so There's Hunter B fifteen. It felt to me like there was some version of the script where Hunter B fifteen was like, okay, and then I'll prune you, prune you, and then she hears the thing that's going on with. I think the character's name is Docs, who's the captain who's leaving with all the weapons, and. She's goes after them, and then they had no follow up dialogue about him being like, "All right, I guess I'll have to prune myself." Instead, they kind of like cut through all of that dialogue and cut it out. Um, so I, I don't know. It felt like there were a couple of things missing there potentially, um, but I don't know. I also like her, by the way. She's great yeah. to have back. Oh my Such God. good presence, yeah. and she's one that feels like. We got a total 180 on our character here, but there's still a continuity of it because she was the hard-driven hunter in the first season. Sylvie unlocked her memories, and now she is the one who was basically in charge of the TVA and protecting not the sacred timeline, but all the timelines. And I love it. I think that's a really good place for the character to be. Well, she's I like a stabilizing really- presence in a show yeah. where everyone's sort of like hair on fire running around all the time. Yeah, and I also really like how she is steadfast and like, no, 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 no. 
pruning people is an awful idea. You're killing yeah. uh, uh, somebody's old timeline and and who they are. So yeah, we're not going to do that anymore. And how steadfast she is on that. Uh, so yeah, I agree with you. She's she's a great kind of rock in this madness for sure. Um, but I really can't uh, stress enough how great Obi is. I love the line where he's like, "You've got an hour," and then there's a crack, uh, a crack, you know. And he's like, "You got five minutes." Just hysterical. Yeah. Just he's well, just a great it, comic presence. He yeah. really is. And what do you think about him? The fact that he was cast in this in a role in a story that is very similar in some ways to Everything Everywhere All at Once. Like it feels, it felt a little close to me. Especially that fun scene. I th- I thought it was like just a perfect kind of like, who can we get that will just brighten up what's definitely. happening? And it was just such a perfect choice of like. I love him. I just I was just surprised about how close the story is a, is like everything ever all at once. And to have the same actor doing it, 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 it to me, it, to me, it's just like one step out of the show. It, it feels to me, uh, I'm not sure what the deal with the whole time slipping thing is, particularly now that they seem to have solved it in this first episode. It Basically, it's not clear to me, like, what the shape of the season is yet. Is it is it all middle leading up to the introduction of Kang officially into the MCU and then we're going to lead into Secret Wars and all of this other stuff? Is it its own entity and we're going to finish up there? Or is it potentially, and this is my fondest hope, it's going to make an art, it's going to tell its own story about the TVA and Loki over the course of six episodes and make a convincing argument to have an ongoing series called Loki that's set at the TVA. Because this is something we talked about a little bit, I think, when the trailer came out, that based on the other footage, it seems like its own take on time travel. And Mm -hmm. in this season and its own plot and thrust. And I love that. Like, even if it's not quite as good as first season, give me a slightly different take on time travel every season of Loki. Go for seven seasons. Awesome. That would be great. And I sort of like the idea, to your point, like getting Loki to be in the TVA and have it settle a little bit at the end of the season. If we do, if this second season, first, if this two parts season, these two seasons is about establishing Kang. I sort of want to get, if we've dealt with the crisis, then I want to get to the King part and then sort of whatever that conclusion is. The only hard part is there's no conclusion. We know there's no conclusion to Kang. It's still, we're in this like Kang throat clearing and like getting to Kang all the time. But again, it's just a hard problem to have your main villain that everyone's really scared of and have to deal with. We know he's not going to be defeated here. Mm-hmm. Well, he, at this well, point, he's been killed what three times or something yeah, like that. Yeah, so. he can. They can definitely kill him. Uh, I, I, I just think that but, like I got high hopes for the season, and uh, we're only one in. But man, um, so far the the uh, the acting choices are just absolutely phenomenal. I think that that's it's, uh, it's yeah. really. Can, can I throw out one more criticism at the risk of poking the bear? I really liked a lot of the shots here. They felt consistent with Kate Heron's direction in the first season, but 
there is what I felt like was a very specific choice to have handheld in a bunch of the shots, particularly at the beginning mm-hmm. when Loki is running around. And I think probably the idea was Loki is destabilized. He doesn't know what's going on. So we're going to keep it very handheld and follow him. But it felt counter to the aesthetic of the show to me. It felt a little too naturalistic. And it yeah. took me out of the episode whenever they relied on that. Particularly, there were a couple of scenes once they introduced Ouroboros where they had some great shots, like we were talking about, of the camera sort of just on a tripod or however they're doing it, swinging back and forth, going from person to person. And then they would cut to some handheld, and then they'd go back. And it, I don't know, it, it didn't That's feel sort of weird. I didn't notice. Yeah. Agreed. It took me out. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, and just to mention, I think the reason it took me out is because Kate Herod was so strong in the first season and so yeah. confident in everything. Like, I remember... Every episode, we talked about these insane standout visual scenes that she yeah. and the rest of the team had created. And I, I was missing that a little bit here. Though, well, and that paired, paired with the production design, I think, is really standout here. That's what show. I was going to call out, about. is that like even in the middle of all of that, the production design is impeccable. Um, yeah. I was very hesitant about the idea of Mobius wanders out into – yet another Marvel multicolored void space type area. But this one looked really good. And the way that they depicted it with the colors just hitting him and him starting to flake off, playing off the whole joke with the skin peeling off and everything, but making it feel real and palpable and dangerous. I thought that looked really nice. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah, I was impressed with how things looked. I also, even when they kind of like hit the wall and kind of revealed the Kang, uh, I thought it all looked really good. Yeah. Any other notes from the episode that you want to call out? Any well, other things in particular? Are you guys hungry for some Mickey D's at all? Oh, oh should we talk about that? I you hate that. Yes. I hate it. I straight up hate it. Chicken McNugs, they're brand new. You wouldn't want to, if you could travel back in time, you would want to go to the first Mickey D's ever? Not once? Nope. Not yeah. after you killed what? baby Hitler, you wouldn't want to go. So to there like is a little bit of an Easter egg. So Big just Mac. to mention, we're talking about there's a post credit scene in case you missed it. After immediately after the main credits, we cut it on Sylvie. She yeah, is J- in, Justin. Just in case you missed it, she is. Yeah, in, I would never. She is in Broxton, which is a shout out to a classic Thor run by J. Michael Straczynski, yeah. where Thor and the rest of the gods they settled in a town called Broxton. I think. Was it was Broxton also the town in the first Thor movie as well? Am I getting that wrong? Uh, I don't know. I would assume it is. Yeah. Whatever it is, she shows up there. It's in a branch timeline. They're very specific about that now that we have branch timelines. She sees a McDonald's, goes in, and sees how happy everybody is and decides that's where she wants to be. We know she's going to want to be there based on the trailers and the ongoing months-long McDonald's promotion that's happening at every McDonald's in the United States. Yeah. Um, Loki sauce. I uh, it, Broxton's where's the ha- is where the hammer falls. Ah, uh, there we go. Right. The thing that bothers me about it, and I know I've said this on this podcast before, is like it really being McDonald's takes me out of the whole thing versus it being you like wanted a, it to be like McDowell's. Yeah, I wanted to, yes. <laughs> Shout Roddy out to, McDowell's. Uh, <laughs> coming to America? Is that what you're yeah. doing? Yeah. Uh, okay. well, wow. uh, no, but like a Mick Roxon's or something like that. Like I wanted to be something in Marvel or she goes into a diner and she sees everybody happy or something like that. It being McDonald's, I felt like she's walking into a McDonald's commercial and 
I, I, part of this, I will totally cop to, is I don't have positive association with McDonald's. I don't like McDonald's. Yeah, I don't like the food there or anything like that's that. You, that's you. That's um, all you. But well, I did this thing where I ate nothing McDonald's for 30 days and I filmed a documentary about it. And then when I was done and I completely wrecked my body, I found out somebody had already fucking done that. Yeah, and that I wasted my was whole thirty days. Yeah. You did, and then you did the same thing with the Oreos. All the different kinds of Oreos you can eat. That, well, that's just like, true. That's yeah, your yeah. life. I thought you yeah. said the Oreos, which is also true. I ate all of the Baltimore Oreos one after another. Oh, oh man, yeah, disgusting. Yes, that uh, was called baseball uh, size. I can see, I can see why it would pull you out of it, but it's. Uh, I don't know. I don't know why, because maybe it just fit the design of the show. It really mm-hmm. felt like just another set on the show. Mm-hmm. And it was just like, I don't know, it was kind of weirdly funny to me that she ended up, after all she's been through, she ended up at a McDonald's. It kind of, I felt like a fifth element kind of thing to me where I was just like, oh, yeah, yeah. Well, that's, they, yeah. they you said, can't eat rat faces anymore or anything with a face. So I'll just go to McDonald's. You know what? Fuck it. You know? That's definitely uh, the best selling point for McDonald's is if you're done eating rat faces, go yeah, to McDonald's. You it's a step stuck up. in a time loop and you can't get any real food. Uh, it will spit you out at McDonald's. At now, the that's end. a commercial right there. Yeah. Any, anything I, else? Pete? Well, I, I'm glad that they kind of. Because they talked about her a lot, and we got to see her mm-hmm. for a little bit. So I was happy that after the credits, you got a little bit more time with her. Um, you know, it, it was weird. There was a lot of different things that I was kind of like when I saw her in line at McDonald's, where I was thinking about falling down. I was thinking about a lot of different people losing <laughs> wow. their mind in McDonald's. Mm-hmm. You know, I was like, this could go did either you, way. Did you? This me. is the McDonald's thing. Did you think about the way she opened up that elevator super weird with her hands, like sort of... That was stretch. weird. That was very strange. Hey, man, you know, so it's hard over Also, the, the while we're talking about doors, my favorite subject, the door to the room that they went to do where they went down onto the bridge, uh, uh-huh. that was like a straight-up X-Men door. Like, I know that's yeah, not what they were shouting it out. I 100% guarantee you that somebody is going to put up an article and be like, is this door teasing the X-Men in the MCU? Oh, danger I mean, room. it should yeah, be you. Yeah. Now, yeah, do you think Sylvie's going to get to live all the different iterations of McDonald's, like the guy with the moon face, the McDLT, where you mix the hot and the cold together? Well, oh. it's gonna be, she's going to say, I want one of everything, and they're going to be like, I'm sorry, we just stopped serving breakfast, so you can't get no, one she's of everything. She's gonna, yeah. that, 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 that you get to a falling down situation. Yeah, exactly. Well, see, yeah. I've been on the other side of that. At the Delancey Street McDonald's, I've been there when they go from dinner to breakfast, and that's the oh, worst. that's the worst. The You're worst. like, I don't want breakfast. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's a, I wanted. I'd end up mar- bargaining for a fillet of fish that had been on the shelf for literally the whole night. <laughs> that's a that's a very my friends called me a scab. Fillet of fish. My friends yeah. called me a scab. I think wow. I would have liked it better. It was a, a Burger King. I think you know that that would have made more sense. Oh, to me. that would have made wow. more sense. Yeah. Oh, okay. You're what like are you, an Arby's. You? She went into an Arby's. <laughs> and she's like, "Give me a handful of roast beef, man." Just yeah. How much for a handful? <laughs> oh man, that would have been a coup if she'd gone yeah. into an Arby's. It is. Let's be honest. If you've mostly been eating rat faces, it's a 
closer to go to an Arby's. Easier. Like, I, I think they have a rat face dish. I'd rather prune myself than go to an Arby's, I think. <laughs> Let you know. me ask you guys a quick theory about that. Loki gets pruned in front of the elevator. Who's pruning Loki? Let's move to our next section, the section we always do on the show. Who's pruning Loki? Who's, Who's pruning? pruning Probably Loki. a Loki. Isn't yeah, it Loki? Right? It yeah. Was it weird that I was happily comforted by the fact that uh, – Owen Wilson was talking about jet skis again in such a fun mm-hmm. manner that I was just like, oh, I can listen. If to they don't bring in a jet ski this season, that yeah, show. Ryan. I'm yeah. say that was that definitely show. what constituted the big comedic move of this episode. And it was it was that. Yeah. All right. That seems like a good place to start wrapping this up. Why don't we actually move to our next section, which is our vision board, where we look ahead at what we want to happen in the next episode. Justin. Wait, I just want, just, uh, sorry. I just wanted to say. Our vision board where we move backwards and talk about something in the episode. It's again, it's like the episode we're moving through time. Yeah, exactly. I just wanted, there was a couple more OB moments that like. See, ironically, I remember Pete doing this now that he's going back in time. Yeah, yeah. The, The whole like crack on his thing and they just put tape on it. Like if you had any other actor Talking about like how oh I don't think so and then like uh, what did he say there was something that he kind of repeated twice that was just so funny both times where he was like I don't recall uh, I'm having trouble reconciling that that's what it was oh my god that was so funny the the delivery and just the use of him I just I, I know I've been talking about it but I you I just it. wanted to get those out and it was just. So pitch perfect. And the elevator scene when they pan to that girl. How many times just, have you talked about that? I know. You love it. It's just that they're, this show is funny. You know, like yeah. Jason, like I love that we also got that guy who is just kind of like revealed how stupid the Infinity Stones are. Like Eugene Cadero. Yeah. Well, I was going to shout out Eugene Cadero. Yeah. Uh, guy I know back from. Uh, UCB days, uh, yes, great guy. Love to see him in the show. Also a big fan and uh, old friend, but it just uh, there's certain beats and certain things that do make it feel like season one and hit the comedy. And I think once we get kind of past some things, we'll kind of get back to that. But we got real kind of like snippets here and just. Um, yeah, so, sorry, I had to go off a little bit, but please, uh, Salvatron. No, 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 that's fine. Listen, there are comedic moments throughout. The cast has a great rapport. Owen Wilson and Tom Hiddleston are great together. Like I was saying, towards the beginning, there is a comfort in coming back to this, which is why TV shows don't just run six episodes and never again. It's why you come back to these things, is because yes. it's pleasing to see these things again. The whole conversation about how uncomfortable it is to watch him time slip was very enjoyable. Mm-hmm. That was great. Uh, you know what I loved is there was a scene in the elevator where they're talking about how gross that is, and they pad <laughs> over to this girl. Very funny. Oh my god! I'm so glad you brought that up. I wanted to talk about that. Oh god! Now I'm in a time loop. Uh, the thing I, my, for, on my vision board, I want to see them really get the TVA back organized. I think that's going to be a big part of the season, and I love that idea. Let's see it. Pete, what about you? What's on your vision board? Well, I think what we're going to learn over the season is that um, if your landline is ringing, you shouldn't pick it up because who's really calling you on a landline? You know what I mean? Great like point. You, you should An just ignore person. that. Yeah. yeah. 
Grandma, it's probably. Be, it's not going to be good news. You know what I mean? I wish I had a phone that an old person would be on anytime I picked it up. <laughs> Hello? Hello? Yeah. Can you get me McDonald's, Justin? Uh, yes, but what those fresh nugs? I yeah. want Loki sauce. <laughs> no, but I do think for my vision board, I just want a little bit of... Uh, of more of the cast kind of together uh, because it is a great cast. And right now things are a little kind of panicked, but uh, I do hope we kind of get to enjoy them more because individually they're fantastic, but together they're unstoppable. I I just want to see more Loki. Like I was saying earlier, I want to see why alligator Loki or just regular Loki. Uh, Any all any at all Loki's. The show is called Loki. I want to see the emotional cost on Loki thematically. What we are saying about Loki. I want to see that connection there. And if we get that, all of the other pieces are in place. I'm going to be very happy. And you are going to be very happy if you support our podcast at patreon.com slash comic book club. As I said, 35 minutes ago, we could have saved 35 minutes here, guys. We uh, saved a sorry, lot of time. Sorry, I don't need was... that time. I like this time. <laughs> it, we do a live show every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. to Facebook and sure YouTube. Do. Come hang out. We would love to chat with you about Loki. Apple, Spotify, Android, or the app of your choice to subscribe, listen, and follow the show at Comic Book Live on Twitter slash X, Comic Book Club Live on Instagram and TikTok, comicbookclublive.com for this podcast and many more. Until next time, stay marvelous. Heads better with hats on hats. Bye-bye.